0: Hi, I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and this is the Investing on the Go podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dave Eisworth, Portfolio Manager on the T. Rowe Price Global Focused Growth Equity Fund. Dave, um, good afternoon from me. I think it's probably good morning from you. Uh, good afternoon, Darius. Thank you very much for having me. Um, we live in extraordinary times, and i um, your career spans a similar length to mine. Um, this is my third market, uh, crash. Um, how, how are you finding this one? How's it different or playing out similar
1: to, to what you've experienced before? Yeah, it, it is very interesting. A lot of people have one, maybe two crashes in their careers. I think you and I have, have now have three. So let's hope maybe this is our last one, but, um, Three, and then, and then I would argue a bunch of a mini crises as well. Um, you know, the, the key difference in today with this crisis, I think, in, in contextualizing it is that um, this, this is very similar to a natural disaster, right, versus what I think we've seen in our careers, either in the tech bubble um, or the global financial crisis. Those were, you know, I, I think about it uh, in terms of literature, uh, in the great themes of literature. Uh, man versus machine, man versus nature, man versus man, I I, I think the credit bubbles in the tech crisis and the global financial crisis were both um, sort of man versus man. Uh, This crisis is man versus nature, right, which is a very different kind of crisis. And it it has elicited a different response from both central banks and and governments. And I I think that we're all in it together. Natural disaster element really uh, makes this crisis different.
0: So, into the fund then a little bit, because this has been one of the most volatile market corrections, if you like, and certainly the quickest. Um, did you make any changes into the in the fund in those early weeks, or did you hunker down in favored names, or was there a little bit of rotation?:
1: Yeah, so uh, you know we came into the year, and it was really quite Goldilocks, right? Trump had managed to get the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates, the China trade war was ending was really quite a Goldilocks period of time. And I think people floated up in risk a little bit. And it makes sense. I mean, people were looking for cyclical recovery. What we really did first off was um, cut any places we had balance sheet risk. So we have a saying on the team, if you're going to panic, panic early. Uh, And so we tried to panic early and remove really any kind of balance sheet risk, credit risk, covenants, anywhere in the portfolio where we thought that risk. That's the first thing we did, right? The, the the next question then is, you know, okay, um, what's our framework for the crisis? Let me kind of go through that. Who benefits from the crisis, and what names do you really want to own on the other side? That's sort of the the stages of uh, of going through a crisis. We wrote a piece for our clients, really three part piece about how we went through that process. Um.
0: When we, we dialed into your call a couple of weeks ago, you talked about markets and, and, and you know, that they were, were likely to bottom not before things got better, but before things stopped getting worse. Um, yeah. Can you explain your thinking behind that? And do you maybe think, I, I know, I think the call was about three to four weeks ago when we, when we listened to you. Do you think given that markets have already bounced that maybe we've been through that or
1: how do you feel? Yeah. So, I, in one of the most, I think, I think this idea of stop getting worse is one of the most powerful things that I've learned in my career around investing. Whether it's an individual country or individual company, a country, a market, this idea of stop getting worse, and what that means is markets bottom not in the absence of risk, but when risks stop accelerating, when you start to see how risks could moderate. Um, we really thought early that there were three key parts of this stop getting worse in this market. Um, You know, the the first was the response of governments, right? What would central banks do and what would governments do? And I think, I mean, you can argue philosophically long-term about how governments should behave in a situation like this, but I think that general central banks and governments, especially the U.S. Fed and government, did an amazing job of stepping in and keeping the plumbing functioning. So, that was the first element of stop getting worse. The second really is around testing, treatment. Uh, and although we have a long way to go on that, we think we're past the worst in how we test and treat the virus. And in fact, we're seeing hospitals, you know, pass their peak. You know, we, this lockdown was really all a function about saving our healthcare systems more than it was about people dying in the streets of the virus, right? We wanted to save the healthcare system. And I think we've done that. Um, you know so th- that that's the second th- the second part of that testing and treatment um, you know and third really was around when would cases peak in major economies and so we sort of saw that in China we, and, and we, we really use China to project how Europe would play out and how the US would play out there was clearly differences but this idea of peaking cases so those three elements I think um, those are the key elements of stop getting worse. I think we are through that now. And markets, as they do, you know, as soon as they sense that stop getting worse, they begin to rally, and and that's what we've seen to, to this point.
0: Do Do you feel markets? I would hate to use the phrase over rallied, but um, you know, they went down really hard and fast to face news around the virus itself, and they've rallied, you know p and Nasdaq had fantastic runs but yeah. do, do you think markets have accepted this sort of economic fallout of lockdown and
1: company profitability yeah it's a great it's a great question because this is a natural disaster and not a credit cycle that's really important right because you know if you look at autos or semiconductors usually when you have a a downturn, you go through a big negative inventory and distribution cycle. But since we already had that in semis in 2018 and 2019, you're not getting that in this cycle. I I bring that up because this natural disaster is very different than a credit cycle. Uh, Things like Netflix, Amazon e-commerce, Zoom video conferences, which, which we are on right now, you know, those were not, Usually those types of businesses are in bubbles going into a breakdown. In this case, the the, the virus actually boosted their positioning and accelerated their adoption. Um, and so I, that marks, it makes this kind of cycle very, very different. So um, the other thing is academically, uh, if the Fed is going to buy every asset class, uh, if central banks are going to step in and, and support the economy through the, through the virus, the peak virus um, risk, multiples should go higher, right? Multiples should go higher, credits more available, interest rates are lower, right? So the fact that asset prices go up after that sort of response uh, is not surprising. And you could argue, you know, it's a more, there's more liquidity out there now than there was before the virus. I do think we're moving through stages, right? So the first stage was sell your risk. The second stage was own the companies that are boosted by the virus. Again, Netflix, Amazon, Zoom, um, TeamViewer in Europe, another example. Uh, The stage we're entering now, I think, is more around, uh, we call it pleasant surprise. And so we're looking for companies. I'll give you a good example in the UK. Ashdead in the UK is a good example, a name we own in the portfolio. Why is Ashdead a pleasant surprise? Well, because the market initially reacted by thinking Ashdead was going to have major downward revisions. And it turns out that construction in the US is largely still going on. And so you get a pleasant surprise. So we're looking across the portfolio now at these sort of ideas of, of pleasant surprise. The The two other areas that I think are interesting and we'll have to see what happens is, one, the epicenter names around travel, airlines, those are all still just wrecked, right? And so... Those have not rebounded, uh, and and the other is financials, interest rate sensitive, yield cur- curve sensitive names. How do they respond? And energy, right? So, so, so I guess if I summarize that, the market, because of this is of the nature of a natural disaster versus a credit cycle, the market is very heterogeneous, and so saying something's rallied and something's not, right? There's plenty of parts of the market that are still at disasters, and there's other parts that really did deserve to do better. Um, so that. What I would say to you, Darius, is it's going to get more and more difficult as a stock picker to, to you know, be contrarian in some areas, things that are bombed out or things that have done really well. It's not as easy. In, in some ways, even though the panic was terrifying, there are some, looking back, extremely easy parts of this crisis. And I think things are not as easy anymore. Well, I was just reading
0: um, your part three note that, that you've been distributing to clients today, and I think you, you, you touch on being tempted into value, but just <laughs> um, you know sticking sticking with with, with 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 the knitting. Is there any sector or a stock which you know maybe not a fallen angel is probably a bad word to use, but things which you now look
1: like value, but I've got some special sit up behind it or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I, I, the value space, I, I even have a hard time understanding what value is, right? The, the highest ranked value managers are growth managers, right? And they sort of will tell you why Microsoft is a value stock at 30 times earnings. Um, it's hard to even understand what value is. I think that there are some bad neighborhoods, um, you know, in value, whether it's commodities or financials, where there are some good ideas. Uh, Charles Schwab is a big holding of our portfolio. We think Charles Schwab has the characteristics um, that make it more of a growth scale asset, despite the fact that its it's short-term earnings are very sensitive to interest rates. So that's a stock that got really destroyed in March, um, you know, traded under $30 a share, um, you know, our analyst has like worst case earnings of, of just over $2. Uh, and so we were adding to a name like that, right? Which is in a bad neighborhood, I'll call it financials, um, mm. but has character. So we're trying to be carefully contrarian in the portfolio around names like that without without just rushing into value a, 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 as a sector, right? Um, Morgan Stanley is another name we added to the portfolio in, in Q1. Again, it, it traded down to 0.7 times book we like the management team. Uh, we like some of the different exposures in the shift to wealth management. Um, and so, you know, we thought that was an extreme value situation. So we are being cautious. I think you've heard me say this before. You know, we try to be carefully contrarian. In some of these names don't run into a burning building, but if you can pick off an asset that you think has growth characteristics, you, you should be willing to do that.
0: And. Most of the listeners uh, to the Investing on the Go podcast are either UK or European based. Um, maybe you just touch on what lockdown has been like briefly in the US for for our listeners. And obviously, you're based in the US. US is the biggest weighting within your fund, um, and things are sort of rapidly changing there. Twenty two million people unemployed. Is that likely to to bounce when lockdown ends?
1: Uh, uh, what's it like in the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the US, I mean, the U.S. economy has been strong, right? Uh, it's been strong. Um, you know, I think unemployment's been exceptionally low. Uh, we went into this crisis um, from from a position of strength, I think. And again, the government is the government is. Buffering that temporary unemployment situation, um, you know, some people argue even too extreme, right? To to the point where workers are would rather be on unemployment than they would to to, to go work at the factory, right? Now that that has a lot of social implications around why is there, why are they being treated so poorly to begin with, working at their at their jobs? But um, in general, uh, the U.S. is a very divided society right now between uh, pro-Trump administration and 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 the, the And other, right? I call it sort of an other, and and our states divide along that line as well. So states in the northeast um, lockdown is more severe. In the south, you see uh, a much more willingness to get back to work quickly. And so it's in some ways it's chaotic, right? And it, it will be a sort of chaotic recovery. Um, is that positive or negative for the world, we're going to see some tests, whether it's Georgia or Florida, in how quickly can people come back to work? Um, because I think those states are going to be more aggressive. Um, so, so, yeah, it, it, I, I think the U.S. Is, gonna, is almost, to a certain degree, taking more risk than, than certainly than China, right? Which is still strongly locked down, right? Although there's some back to work, Um, you know, there's still government implemented rules that people listen to. I think Europe, you know, there's an element of more cooperation. And I think you come to the U.S. and you see a very heterogeneous group of people and you're going to see risks taken and we're going to see the implications of whether that causes reinfection rates or not. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's risky. I do think, Darius, when we move through this, I think the U.S. economy is still very stable. I think, you know, we have low unemployment. I think that will continue, Um, you know. So I I think when we move out of this, there's no reason why we can't get back to a stable economic environment in the U.S. Yeah.
0: And I know you talked about earlier about the Goldilocks scenario. If we were if we had had this conversation on the middle part of December or even maybe the middle part of January, Corona might not have been at the top of our things to talk about, but the US election probably would have been uh, impact on healthcare and whatever other sectors we could have got into. But I wonder if the actual sort of coronavirus itself will impact on the US election. Um, As you say, how lockdown comes out for various different states, whether they would been natural Donald Trump supporters or or, or not, or whether he's actually doing good or damage to his brand within your home market. any, any thoughts on that? Oh,
1: that's great. It's a great question. Um, first of all, let's hope we have the election, right? I mean, I think if you did end up with a second wave of, of virus, you have an issue of in-person election, uh, uh, in-person ballots in the US, um, which will be interesting. So let's hope that that we actually do have an election. Look, the, the the main risk for financial markets was taken off the table when Joe Biden became the nominee for the Democratic Party. Um, the risk of Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. I mean, that is a extremely uncertain um, situation in the U.S. Uh, and so, because you basically, we would end up we end up with a pop an activist populist part of our population or voters that is in some situations it's difficult to to, to distinguish a Bernie supporter from a Trump supporter. There's some very similar uh, threads that characteristics. Yeah. Yes, there are, there are. And, uh, anti-globalization, anti-technology, right. Um, and so I think the biggest risk is off the table. Uh, and, and so that's positive for us that that has implications for how we invest in healthcare, uh, managed care in the U S becomes more attractive, uh, in a Biden versus Trump election. So there are some opportunities there. Um, you know, I, I, it, the jury's still out. I, I, I think uh, it's not clear whether Trump's handling of the virus and his war with different governors around the country has led to improving popularity for him or or declining. It's really not clear yet. So I think in the next few months, you know three to four months, we're going to start to see how the trajectory out of the virus, um, and it, you know if the u s. economy emerges very quickly and strongly, I think that's in Trump's favor. Um, if it's more rocky, I think that's, that's more towards Biden's, Biden's camp. But, um, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very uncertain. If we start to see some of these Republican states that go back to work early following Trump's sort of, that's been his sort of dog whistle, right. To get back to work. If they start to have increases in cases, you know, I, I think. This would be very negative for Donald Trump. Either way, i tell you, I think, uh, I, I feel like a lot of the political risk in 2021 and beyond has come off the table. Uh, I do think that both candidates will be attacking China. And so we have to think about that in the portfolio um, because they'll, they'll try to one-up each other in going after China uh, in, in the election. So that's something to think about. Well, listen, Dave, thank you so
0: much for taking time to, to talk about the portfolio. Uh, impacts of, of COVID and some of the thoughts on your home market. As you were concluding in, I think there's a lot left still to go on, both pe- politically and economically in uh, 2020. Um, so thank you very much for your time. For more information on the T. Rowe Global Focus Growth Equity Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com and to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast, please also visit fundcalibur.com. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed here are at the time of recording and could obviously change. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening.